Who here likes change? Do I have any takers? Wow, that's pretty weak. And I'm not surprised. Okay. How many of you like change when it's your idea? Okay. Yeah. How many of you like change when it's somebody else's idea? <laughs> My hand is down. <laughs> I want to talk about change because something happened 2,000 years ago that did change everything and has a huge impact on our lives. Speaking of change, do you know how many narcissists it takes to change a light bulb? Okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> it takes one. He holds the light bulb and the world revolves around him. Okay, okay, lame, I know. I'm not seeing many eyes perk up there. Okay, here's another one. How many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? You might know the answer to this one. Only takes one, but the light bulb has to want to change. <laughs> That's all I have on those, on that note. So, and you're saying, thank goodness. <laughs> the cheers went up. Because of Christmas, everything did change. And I want to talk today about the incarnation. It's a pretty big name, pretty big word rather, but it really, because of the incarnation and what that means, everything definitely changed. You take the word incarnation, it's sort of interesting. It's karna has some kind of a, uh, it has the meaning of flesh and incarnation in flesh. So it's this whole idea that God took on flesh and became a human and came into our lives. And there's a verse I want us to read together. And I want to make that as kind of our anchor verse. It's John 1.14. You can read the whole chapter later if you like. But this is a verse that I want us to, I want to spend some time on today. So it's up here on the wall. And let's just uh, read it. You can read it quietly while I read it, not too loudly. The word became flesh and blood. This is from the message. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Let read, let's read that again. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. You know, the phrase that really captures my imagination is God moved into the neighborhood. Three things I want to say. First one is three things that the ways that God changed something because of his coming, because of his entering into our world. The first one is God changed his visibility. This word that's here in John 1.14, this whole idea of neighborhood or dwelling, it's really, it's the word that's comparable to the word in the Old Testament that they talk about the tabernacle, the place where God actually dwelt with his people. And they would put up this tent and God would be in this tent and they would come and they would meet him and that's where his presence was. So, when Jesus came, everything changed. God went from being invisible 
and only accessible to very few people to visible in, in Jesus. Now, not everybody believed it. Not everybody believed that. How is it possible for God to squeeze himself into the, a human body? <laughs> they looked at Jesus and they said, well, he's definitely, we know he's Jesus. But some people thought that he was a mirage or an illusion. It wasn't actually God in flesh. It was rather something else. But for those that actually saw him for who he really was, they realized that this actually was God coming down into our reality and taking the form of a human so that Jesus was fully human and fully God at the same time. And I know that blows our minds. I don't fully understand how that works, but that's what's reality, that God became visible. He changed our ability to actually see who he was and to, and to know him personally. Hebrews 4.15, I don't have it here, but it's, it's just listen along. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So God moved into the neighborhood and made himself visible to us. I love this story of this, this little boy who he loved going outside and playing with the insects and the bugs. And, and he went out one day and he, he was kind of down on his hands and knees digging around in the dirt. And he saw this anthill and there was a whole bunch of dust flying around and a ruckus that was happening on this anthill. There was really a huge amount of conflict. Not sure what was going on. I wasn't there, uh, but that's what was going on. And he rushed into the house and said to his his dad, dad, we, we have to somehow communicate to this anthill that they need to get along and there needs to be peace made between them. And, and the father said, good luck with that. And the boy went back out there and he was yelling at these ants. Come on, you guys, get along. What's wrong with you? No luck. And then his father came out and he knew this was a teachable moment. He said, son, the only way that you're going to be able to help those ants is to become an ant and go down and be with them. <laughs> and that was God becoming visible. He looked down on his creation and he, his heart was broken because he saw chaos and, and division and people distanced from him and, and what he wanted for them. And he realized that the only way that he was going to truly get close enough so that we would realize that he loved us so incredibly much was to take on our form and to come and to be visible with us. That's the incarnation. That's the change that God was willing to make on our behalf. And I think it's an amazing story. Secondly, God not only changed his, his visibility, he changed his availability. You know, we see his Glory. I mean, glory means the weight or the very presence of God has become possible because of Jesus, because of God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. The last part of that verse talks about um, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. Other translations say he was full of grace and truth. You know, grace is this undeserved favor. And truth was he didn't mince words. He He's honest, he shows up, he is who he says he is, and he comes with this incredible amount of love. And the availability that God changed for us makes it possible for us 
to receive this grace, this forgiveness when we don't deserve it. And also to be able to have access to the truth, to the way to live that brings life and brings meaning and, and possibility. One of the ways that kind of helps me think about this, when you think about God moved into the neighborhood, so the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You go back to John 1.1, the word was God and the word was with God. And, and so Jesus is the word of God who became flesh and lives in the neighborhood. So look at it this way. How many of you are campers out there? You like to camp? Tenting, maybe? Or glamping? You like the real fancy kind of everything provided? So think of it this way. Let's, let's work with that tent metaphor or visual that God was lived in a tent in the Old Testament. So he moves into the neighborhood. It's like, it's like God moves into your backyard and he sets up his tent. Now, just imagine, is that kind of where it ends? If, if you've invited him into your neighborhood and he's in your backyard, well, guess what? He's going to come in and use your bathroom. And he wants to eat with you. He wants to sit on your couch. He wants to sit down and watch Netflix with you. He doesn't want to stay separate in the backyard. He actually, literally, when he comes into the neighborhood, he wants to come and be a part of our lives. So, in reality, when you look at how this all kind of transpires, you know, when Jesus left and went back to heaven, he said, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. Because it's because of my Holy Spirit that I'm going to be able to live in your neighborhood. <laughs> and then we actually have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you see how this, yeah, Jesus came, God became visible, he became available. And when we welcome him into our neighborhood, into our lives, into our homes, into everything that we do, then that changes everything, and then the availability becomes something that isn't just, okay, he's kind of out there if I need him, so I can call on God. He's in the backyard. He's awfully close, but I've got this. I'm sure you've never done that. I've got this. No, that's not how he wants it to be, and that's not how it's been set up because of this incarnation is that he wants to do life with us says in another, I forget the reference, but Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ not only is in our neighborhood around us, he's in us. He's for us. He wants to work through us. And we, the only reason why we can have that sort of ability is because of his availability. He made himself available and allowed us to get close to him. I love that. Well, there's third thing that God changes. God changes our capability. So he doesn't just change his visibility. He didn't just become visible and present in Jesus. Didn't just become available to us. He actually also changes our capability. And I, I just am always amazed at how God comes into our lives as we open those doors and let him eat with us and sit with us and live with us and go to work with us and walk around the neighborhood with us, that he actually makes us capable of way more than we can even imagine sometimes. Just think about all the things that give us a hard time in life. So, for example, we have fears. We're afraid of things, right? 
We have anxiety. We have stress. We have challenges financially or, or we're trying to make decisions or we're not getting along with people or whatever it is. There's just all these number of realities that happen to us as humans. It's the human condition. We get sick. Things happen. There's sadness. There's loss. There's, there's all this experience of the human condition. And it's so amazing to think that because of this, of the incarnation, God taking on flesh, what that means is that he's in us to make us capable to actually thrive in the midst of our humanity, in the midst of the challenges, in the midst of the difficulties, so that when we're afraid, because God is in us and with us and living among us, he helps us to be courageous. When we're anxious, when we really allow that God in the neighborhood to really impact us, we go from anxiety to peace. Don't you love the size of this lamp? Kind of struck me. That's a nice little baby lamp. I thought, that's interesting. But you know what? It doesn't take much to give off quite a bit of light. So if you're feeling like you're a little small little lamp, <laughs> you're not uh, as maybe as big as you would like to be. God makes you capable of being a huge impact in a small person, <laughs> in a small perception maybe of yourself. God changes our capability. We go from feeling guilty and shame to being fully released from any guilt and shame and being truly free. We go from being in bondage to being free. When we receive Jesus to live in us, to work, with us to work through us, it literally changes everything. Another story that I heard several years ago, and, and I just was reminded of it again, that I think is, is such a powerful reminder of what we're capable of and what it means to be in this relationship with the God who became visible and available and makes us capable. There was a wealthy, a wealthy man that loved artwork, and he had a son that lived with him and they both really enjoyed these paintings. And we're talking significant cash available to this man. He bought these Van Gogh paintings and Picasso and, and, and all these people that I don't even know the names of half of these people. But he, his house was filled with his artwork and, and some sculptures and all this kinds of stuff. Well, one day his son was recruited to join the army and he went off to war. And while he was away at war, he actually, in the midst of dying on that battlefield, he was able to rescue a friend and get him to the doctors, to the medics, so that his life could be saved. But his life was lost on the battlefield. And his father gets this telegram and hears about the death of his son, and he's obviously devastated. Well, Christmas morning, there comes a knock on the door of this wealthy man that's still mourning the loss of his son and the door opens and there's a a fellow about the same age and size as his son and he has a he has something wrapped up and he said i was in battle with your son and i brought a gift for you can i come in so he comes into the house and he brings this package and the the man opens it up and it's a picture it's a painting of his son and the man said to him you know i'm an i'm an artist and i i wanted to 
I wanted to remember, I wanted to remember, I want you to remember your son for who I remember that he was. And this is, this was a very simple piece of art, but it was just beautiful because it represented this son that was loved so dearly by this father. Well, it wasn't too many months after this that the father dies. And they were preparing this auction and they spread the word far and wide because people that collected artwork just rushed to his home for this auction. And the place was full of all these people that had all this money and were all looking forward to this, this auction. And the first piece that they auctioned off was this picture of his son. So they held up the picture of the son and, and the auctioneer said, who will give me $100? Dead silence. And then there was a few hecklers in the crowd. Come on, let's get on with the real artwork here. What are you, what are you doing here? Look at all these other pieces over here in these sculptures. Can you please get on with this auction? But the auctioneer was just very steadfast. He said, who will give me $100 for this picture of the boy? And there was quite a bit of silence. And then all of a sudden, it was a fairly ordinary fellow that was sitting near the front. And, and he stood up and said, okay, I, I knew the boy. I would like that painting. I knew the boy, and I really, I love that boy. So I gave him, you know, it was his. And then the auctioneer said, okay, the auction is now over. And the people were like freaking out. What do you mean it's over? We didn't come all this way for it to be over. Say, well, my instructions were this. The person who got the picture of my son gets everything. <laughs> and I think that is such a, I think there's a, a story in that for, for us. We have a father that loved his son and gave him for us. Gave him, he came as a boy, he left heaven, he lived his life, he he became the visible, he became God in flesh. He was God. And the truth is, when we get the son, we get it all. We become capable of what we're incapable of doing. Not only eternal life, but the ability to love and to serve and to care and to endure hardship and to be able to be faithful and to be the people, the person that we want to be. When we get the Son, when Jesus is with us by his Holy Spirit, we get all the resources that are available to us that God has access to us. You know, I think about the life that I've had so far. I don't know how many, you know, no one, none of us know how many days we have left to live. My philosophy is, I'm going to live to the fullest today because I don't know what tomorrow brings. <laughs> and so I think back over my, over my life, my uh, whatever, six decades, whatever it's been. And I think about the incredible good times that I've had. Think about the times when, you know, I've got married and, you know, left home before that and then got married and had, had kids and, you know, and all the transitions and people I've met and all the things that have happened. And I think about the, the difficult times. Think about the, um, the struggles, the near burnout I, I had in, in, as a pastor and, 
And then I think about, you know, got the motorcycle accident, which some of you've heard about and, and how that almost, that was almost my day. <laughs> but God said, I have more work for you to do. And I think about, I think about Vicky. I think about the, the good times, like the memories. And, but I think about experiencing death and experiencing being in that room and that night when she passed away. And, and I, think, I think with all of that, I say, where, where was God? <laughs> and maybe it's easier to see God in the fun times. But you know what? Where was God when the night Vicky died? <laughs> he was in the neighborhood. He wasn't just in the neighborhood. He was in that room. And I think about, I know that's, that's a fairly dramatic example. And, and I know those kinds of things have, have a tremendous impact. But I think about even the things that I've been, just the life I'm living this week, you know, with my daughter and, and the excitement that she has in her life, uh, you know, the things, the good news and the bad news. And I think about the, the work I get to do with people and the conversations I have. And I think, where's God in all that? He is so totally right in the middle of that. And think about your life. What have you been through this last week, last month? What kind of year have you had? Probably had your high points, and I'll bet you you've had some low points. Where's God? Where's Jesus? Where he is in your neighborhood. He has become visible to you and to me. He is available to you and to me. He makes you capable to rise up in the midst of your circumstances, to find strength, to find love, to find forgiveness, to find strength, to overcome the challenges and to be able to take those baby steps. When you take the sun, <laughs> you get it all. So that's my invitation, is that God invites us to not only acknowledge or not only to welcome him, welcome him into our neighborhood, but to just fully let that envelop our whole lives. And then I think that's what's going to radiate out from us in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, when God is in us, which he is, as we put our trust and faith then at our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, when we're out walking around the block and we run into people and they need someone to empathize with them, God is in us to be in that neighborhood and to make that difference in such a powerful way. So let me pray for you. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you have entered into our neighborhood, that you have become visible to us that you have made yourself available to us. And Lord, thank you that may, you make us capable to love and to live and to forgive and to make a huge difference with the lives that you've given to us. Lord, you know the struggles that we are having today, those in this room. You also know the joys that we're experiencing, the, the uh, incredible peace or thankfulness, whatever emotions we might be feeling, thoughts we might be having, you are with us in all of that. So thank you for the invitation to recognize, to see you in our neighborhood, but also to welcome you into our lives in all of your glory and with all of your grace and truth so that we can be the people in our neighborhoods, 
in those places where we work and live and worship and play the people that you have created us to be. So thanks, Lord, for today. Thanks for being with us. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.